how about that cigar? How about that cigar? I don't. I all right. Good night, everybody. I don't even know where to go from there. That was that was beautiful, guys. Welcome to welcome to episode one thirty one of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us live from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios. Uh, and we are uh, we're excited to be with you tonight. Thanks so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube. And for those of you watching, or I'm sorry, for those of you listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thanks a bunch for listening to us on your audio podcast rotation. We're grateful to be with you this evening. We have a great special guest coming up in just a minute or so, but let's tell you about our beautiful sponsors, new size of the Leather Rose. The boldest of the four bewitching Deadwood sisters is showing off a new side of her sultry personality. She's not With Drew Estate's launch of the Deadwood Leather Rose Petite Corona. The spiciest of the Deadwood ladies, Leather Rose features a rich Maduro wrapper around an aromatic and exotic blend of aged air-cured tobaccos oh, that offers that. an enchanting, bold, and sweet profile with notes of cedar, oak, white pepper, and earth that will leave you longing for more. Oh, you want more. The 4x43 Deadwood Leather Rose Petite Corona will be presented in 24-count boxes with an MSRP of $6.95 per cigar. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com. And she's a cheap date. And she's a cheap date. Mm -hmm. So, episode 131, we're, we're live back in the home studio. So, um, last night we talked briefly about football. We don't have to talk about that again because, yeah. you know, there's it was a good week. But, again, baseball playoffs going on right now, ALCS, NLCS. Uh, I'm blown away that the Red Sox are still alive. I think Go I'm Sox. excited about it. Go Sox. Go Sox. I'm not an Astros fan, so please make the Astros cry. Uh, I mean, mm. just just win. That's basically it. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Braves, uh, you know, uh, L.A. is such a phenomenal team, and the fact that the Braves are up, you know, two games to nothing, I think is kind of a big deal. So, it's uh, been good baseball. Good baseball. Uh, hockey started. Minnesota Wild are doing well mm -hmm. for now. <laughs> <laughs> for now it's minnesota um, sports it's minnesota sports uh what are you gonna do uh so uh guys remember that we are um as we go through the show we always love hearing what you guys are smoking what you guys are drinking so please make sure to add that to the comments let us know what you are enjoying while you watch the show if you guys have questions tonight while we are live please put those questions in the comments uh and if the question is uh is a good one we may just pop it up on screen and I think it's, I think it's I time. Think so let's bring on our special guest of the evening. And as always, special guests on How About That Cigar Live are brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American... President and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Mr. Jeff Borshowitz, believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would please put your hands together. Welcome back 
to How About That Cigar Live, episode 131. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Well, hello, sweetie. How are you? <laughs> Pete Johnson. You know, I, actually, I feel you? like I'm still in the rave that, that you guys have. Like, I, I swear to God, I, I threw back in time listening to your intro music like I was at the Fetish Ball in 1994. <laughs> I love it. So, how was everybody tonight? We are doing so well um, for... Fabulous. I am super excited uh, because I am clearly smoking a dead moray eel. <laughs> Garrett got these cigars. That some, <laughs> somebody sat on these. Somebody sat. Oh, we yeah. have, send, them back. Oh. send yeah. them back. Send them back. <laughs> send them back. Send I'm gonna, them back. I'm, I'm going to go on the I'm going to go on the Tatuaje Facebook page and complain about these cigars. <laughs> Minor thanks. <laughs> You know, as much as I, I, I try to answer literally every Facebook message, every Instagram message, every email, and I, I think I, I do a pretty good job answering all of them, uh, but occasionally I get stuff that I have to relive from like, you know, five, six years ago where I have to kind of educate people about the the difference between a stem and a vein. <laughs> I, I had about- to do that this week, and I, I literally... I should have some like form letter. Like, yes. Copy paste. and paste. Yep. But each, each question is always like a different experience experience for me. So it's like, Oh, this is new. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to kind of explain why. And, you know, I do the whole thing. Please allow me to explain, you know, like yeah. allow me to explain. And uh, usually they, everybody comes back and they go, Oh shit. Okay, cool. Right. I'm Thanks for letting me know. You know, or uh, Matt's favorite plume. Oh, the plume discussion. Yeah, I can't. Ah. If I can't go down that rabbit hole tonight, I can't do it. It's mold, sir. <laughs> it's mold. It is mold. <laughs> yeah, plume. Plume's a, an oddity. Like plume is like when the hairs stick up on the wrapper leaf at its perfect moment, and that's usually when we start using it. So. It 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 happens, but uh, if it's white and fuzzy, wipe it off and smoke it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes, that is the right answer. So Garrett uh, Garrett uh, opened up the uh, the uh, the Fausto uh, and the the Culebra for the uh, and he can't get the box open because he's she. It's the old man and the she. You know what the she the, stands for? The she. It's, it's, it's so, stands, for had... <laughs> <laughs> it stands for Culebra. It stands for Culebra. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a word that Sean Connery would actually say. I'll take yeah. Culebra <laughs> for 600. <laughs> Trebek. I'll take the snake cigar. Um, so Pete's been pre gaming. He's in excellent form. We're so I'm, I'm drinking. Excited. Uh, uh, Vinsanto from Tuscany. Beautiful which, uh, dessert wines. Which uh, like box, eating bread. Which box is that? Which one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which box? Is that? What? Yeah, is he's, that, he's is that, messing with you. Is that a box? Box wine? No, Vin, Vinsanto. No, no. Yeah, which? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My Italian friends really appreciate that. So yeah. Find you later. Everybody's everybody's tuning out. All of a sudden, Pete goes off the air. We're like, where'd Pete go? <laughs> He's like, fuck those guys. 
I'm making a phone call to my Italian friends. So, Pete, tell us, uh, uh, we heard what you're drinking. What are you smoking? I'm actually smoking a one of the brown label uh, Cazador line uh, from the advent calendar. Mm. Yeah, so the advent calendar. Mm, how about that cigar? How about how that about cigar? That so it, it, it's actually it's actually on my list of questions for later. But if you want to dive into it now, I know that that it was announced recently that uh, it was unfortunately going to be delayed until maybe mid twenty twenty two. And yeah. you can you can go into it as much as you want to. It's your call. No, I mean if you want to get it over with now, let's just steamroll through it. We're here. Uh, yeah, right on. We're here. We're here for it. you. Open up. Yeah. We're talk, I, I talk. knew I like I I had a like regretting feeling that, that this thing was going to show up late. And uh I just kind of took it upon myself to say, "Hey, listen, I'm not going to put it out this year. I'm going to hold the and I now I, the, the 2021 is now called the 2021 expression." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So the 2021 expression will be released with the 2022 expression. The crazy part is, is that I emailed my my uh, broker and I asked, I said, can you give me an update on where this is? And they're like, well, it should be there already. So we checked with the factory and they're like, yeah, it's in Nicaragua. It will be in the factory by the end of next week. I'm like, oh shit, I could actually make the timeline? And I decided that it's better to postpone it. I don't want to rush the factory. I don't want to overwhelm them with with just this because the monster, you know, the monster match was one like giant wrench that I threw in the machine. This advent calendar, there's 24 different cigars that I actually have to make sure that the packing people put in the exact spot every time. So this is where the problem lies. That's why I want to postpone uh, this until 2022 and have both the 2021 and 2022 come out sometime before Christmas in July. And that way people can have maybe the 2021 for July and then the 2022 for uh, December. So, okay. That works. Awesome. Yeah. I I didn't want to, I didn't want to rush it. The cigars are done. They're just resting. The other, the uh, 2022s are, are in production. Um, so by the time they come out, they're going to be nicely aged and ready to go. And it will give me time to get to Nicaragua and literally watch every box being packed because I'm afraid, I'm afraid that there's going to be, I'll be honest. I got one, one email about the monster mash that someone got two brides and they didn't get a creature. Oh, really? Yeah. That, that was like, that was tough because how do you check like, Hey guys, let me know. Like if you see this, yeah. Um, open up 13,000 boxes and let me know. <laughs> Can we go down to Nicaragua and watch you fire somebody? Like, no. film it? Well, here's the reality. I don't, I don't fire anybody in Nicaragua. It's not my place to do that. That's uh, oh. that's my playground. I go that's there true. to have fun and uh, create Absolutely. new fresh things. I, as much as, you know, I have that woman sitting in a chair, like right over my right shoulder, actually. Hi, honey. Um, <laughs> it's her family's factory. Yeah. And yep. I try to stay on the proper side of that and, you know, respect boundaries. 
yeah. even though they let me play in their factory all the time. So, like Miami, now that I live in Miami, Miami's the Miami factory has literally become my playground. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, and you're—I suppose you're—I mean, how how long does it take you to drive to the to the Miami factory? Uh, about ten minutes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So cool. I, yeah. I'd I'd probably be there all day. So. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun, man. It's it's interesting though because when you when you're in a gallery and you know in a big gallery in a factory like a like the Garcia factory in Nicaragua, you you kind of feel a little bit more at ease, but you're also nervous at the same time because you don't want to bother them, right? But when you walk into a small like chinchale of of ten rollers, you're like I'm probably bugging them. So I, I kind of just wave through the window and say, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. Thank you. Thumbs up. A lot of thumbs ups. And uh, I let them do their thing because I'm not going to tell like a, a Cuban cigar roller how to roll a cigar. That's the reality. Yeah. yeah. So it just doesn't happen. I, I walk in, I say, thank you. I bring uh, breakfast every once in a while for the factory um, because you know, it's family more than anything. All, all, all these people that work with the, with the family are family members or they're related to them in some weird way or they were friends with them in Cuba. So, yeah, it is family. Well, and it's cool to see even in in like the, the factories in, in Nicaragua that that I've been fortunate enough to go to is when, you know, when they have tours and they have, you know, people, tourists basically going in there looking around the you know, the people working in there, whether they're sorting or rolling uh, or, you know, working on the pillows, whatever it is they're doing, they, you know, they acknowledge you. They're grateful to have people there learning about, you know, what's going on. But at the same time, they're focused on their job. They're like, I got I got shit to do. I've got to make I've got to uh, I've got to make sure the quality's right. I got to make sure that, you know, the tips of these leaves are pointing in the right direction. I got to make yep. sure I make my quota, all that stuff. But at the same time, they're sort of, uh, you know, they're aware of our presence. Uh, but they, they're like, okay, if this gringo makes me miss my quota for the day, I'm going to be so pissed off. So you got to like, you got to you watch what they're doing. And at the same time, kind of keep your distance, you know. I saw AJ's, uh, AJ Baldwin's uh, question come up mm-hmm. on the, on the, uh, on the board and in the chat. But uh, a box facility, actually, the Garcias have a big box facility in Nicaragua. So. Um, I'm not contemplating anything. I'm letting my wife and her brother and my father-in-law deal with that. Um, they have a big box facility. It produces a lot of boxes per day. It's not so much the box production that's the problem right now. It's the little things. Like the plywood for the boxes. Like we use cedar ply that comes from you know overseas. And you know containers are getting stuck at ports. Um, you know, the little nails that close like the dress boxes, those little nails, those are hard to get right now. So it's all the little things. So AJ, yeah, I mean, you know, our brand really well, you, you've been following the Garcias and, and Dr. Y for a long time. Um, they have a, a very capable box factory and, uh, it produces a lot of boxes. It's the little things that are causing the slowdowns. Yeah. And, and I actually, the, the little things even translate into other things like, okay, the boxes are ready, but uh, we ran out of bands and for that particular cigar. And uh, 
the bands will take another, you know, six to eight weeks to be delivered, you know, stuff like that. Actually, nowadays it's more like, you know, two to three months. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, uh, it's crazy, man. The, the band facilities in Nicaragua and, and Dominican Republic are just overwhelmed right now. Um, we're getting product, but we, we have, uh, the fresh packs that we're working on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw them at the trade show. We're getting, we're getting delivered out of, uh, I think the 20,000 units of each. We're getting delivered 6,000 because I ran out of bands. <laughs> oh, wow. So the first orders that are going to go out to retailers sometime uh, in late November, I think, uh, will be, uh, will be, we're going to short ship everybody. Yeah. And uh, we're going to make sure everybody gets a fair share. And from there, we're going to take orders from, you know, back orders after that. Yeah. Some of the orders got screwed up at the trade show anyway. So we need to kind of go through them all again. Well, and at the same time, I think sometimes as consumers, we forget, you know, because we get excited about, we get excited about the new hotness, you know, coming around Mm -hmm. and we forget about, you know, the, the, the core lines that are interested in specific brands and the core lines, you know, they, they still have to, the, the tobacco still has to come in. It's still gotta be the right tobacco. It's gotta, you know, uh, it's got to, the cigars have to get rolled. They have to sit in the aging room and then they have to also go through the same process of getting sorted, getting bands put on getting put in boxes. So, um, and you can't, you can't ignore you can't, yeah. the cores just to, just to get the, the new hotness on the shelf. Yeah. We had a lot of new hotness this year, but over the last, uh, I would say that over the last four weeks, because we're getting containers in every week, sometimes two containers a week, not just me, but the Garcias, because they import all my products um, or our products. I like to say Um, we're getting like, I decided early on in the year that I just wanted to go full core press with a lot of stuff. I think that's a John Huber term actually. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, John. Um, I just wanted to go straight forward with the, the core stuff. And I went heavy on orders. And right now we're, we're getting like a lot of product in and yeah. it's great to see because we're building inventory again. Um, building inventory is kind of subjective because it's one of those things that you build it for about a week and it all disappears again right now. Um, yeah. But it's nice to have product to be able to fulfill back orders. Oh Absolutely. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so let's also, so while we're smoking this, uh, this Culebra, so I'm smoking one, Garrett's, Garrett's got one, and then Justin, and Justin, for those of you who have, haven't met Justin, put yourself up on screen briefly. So no, Justin, we don't want to see him. We're adding, we're adding to the team here at How About That Cigar, and Justin is is new to the team. He's part, he's one of the, he's going to be producing the show. He's going to be doing some editing on the websites and social media stuff. So welcome. Justin, I just want to say re- renegotiate your contract. <laughs> I don't know if it's re- a contract yet. Well, if he gets to that. <laughs> the contract is. Don't is- let him swindle you. <laughs> <laughs> So let's, uh, as we're smoking this and, and Garrett, Garrett wasn't lying because Garrett smoked one uh, a couple weeks ago 
and then I smoked a whole other. Oh, you did. I smoked by yourself. Entire, you... I smoked all three of them in one day. But you didn't smoke them together. You didn't. No, 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 okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you? Have you? That's the question. Have you? Try it one time. You'll never do it again, but try it one <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, it's it's smoking beautifully. I, and and you know, for those of you who look at a Q Labor and you're like that, that just there's no way that could possibly smoke well. Well, it smokes just fine. The, there's the draw is great, the burn is fine. There's tons of great flavorful smoke. Oh my it's, gosh, it's all good. This is so my fifth don't worry one. about it. Matt, I was going to do a Sean Connery on you, but, um, well, I will anyways. Do it. It's a, Matt, it's a cool labra, not a pool cue labra. <laughs> that's the, that's my, that's the gringo. I'm smoking a cue labra. Yeah, that's totally gringo, man. Like, <laughs> so gringo. I get a pass, man. I'm, I'm married to a Cuban woman, so. Yeah, I, I got the the free pass for life until she kills me. But you know that's different. <laughs> so, and I know that you've talked about this project in the past, but could you briefly tell us about, um, you know, the man in the sea and and how this came about and the fantastic, freaking, culebra that you've put here? Well, I mean, it's not a new thing. Obviously, it's been done right. Nope. forever, but. Uh, George Brightman, who, if you know cigars and you know the industry, you know who George Brightman is. George Brightman is the one that that actually brought the uh, concept to me and said, uh, you need to do a cigar called The Old Man of Sea. And he wanted me to use the the uh, Casadori because it was the sea, right? Or yeah. it, was the, it was the old man and the sea version of Culebra. But I thought that the Casadori, being its size, I thought it was... A, it was a tough size to do a Culebra out of. I thought that Lancero was an easier size to do the Culebra out of. Yeah. I mean, the Cuban Culebras that they make from Partagas are yeah, are super short. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think you get more bend and get more action out of uh, a Lancero version of it. Or a, a Ligito number one, I should say. Yeah. So here's a question kind of tying that in with what we were talking about with the factory a, a minute ago, when you go to, you know, Jaime and the, and the guys at the factory and you say, I want to make a Calabra. What, 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 they, what face do they make when you say that? Do you, do you <laughs> run and like, no. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, I'm, I'm the one guy that, that puts so many wrenches in the machine. <laughs> like being, because everybody else comes in and goes, I want to, you know, I want a line of cigars, you know, 25 count boxes, you know, here's the box design. And I'm like, I want uh, 24 different cigars in a box. I want, you know, 14 different cigars in a box. And I, and I know how much it, it is of a pain in the ass to, uh, to pack those things because you have to be on top of it. And, I'll tell you, we have one guy at the factory. I, I won't say his name because I don't want him to get stolen from the factory. But uh, he's he's the guy that I count on that, that gets the shit done. He's the guy that uh, we all count on to get stuff done. And uh, yeah, they they look at me funny. I'm like, yeah, just just do it. You're not doing it for yourself, and it's a thing. So make it for me. Yeah. 
Um, well, it's like I said, it's the, you know, it's, it smokes no differently than a, you know, than a cigar you find any other day of the week. It's just got tremendous flavor and no issues whatsoever. So don't be scared of a Culebra. Smoke it. And don't leave it sit on your shelf for years and years and years. Did somebody yeah, do smoke that? open the box and smoke it? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's true. I uh uh this was my last one that I was going to save, but then Pete was coming on and I was like, Well fuck, we gotta smoke this, I guess. Yeah, good call. Thank you for the cigar. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about it. I mean, it's so this is the third year, actually. We, we had you on in October of 2019 and we had you on in October last year. Now we got you on October this year. And it's, you know, October is a big month for you guys every year. Yeah. So yeah, this, it, this year it is. you're going back to where it all started. Yeah, which has uh, been really, really a lot of fun. Um, I try to keep it pretty secret this whole time and uh oh there you go yeah everybody was like oh that's that's cool that's a great box and then then i decided to tell them that there was another side to the the green box (laughs) that's where everybody's like where's the unlucky 13 this year i go well there's not one and everybody randomly like we randomly shipped everybody mixes of what they were getting like if they ordered, you know, seven boxes, we would give them one of the other side of the box, and it took a while for people, for retailers to figure it out first. But then consumers like, oh shit. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you want to know what the plan for next year, yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. So we're doing a unlucky thirteen. Chad, Chad, Chad says a. Uh, Who's getting box six six six? It 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 stays in house. Yeah. Oh, dope. So you have every you have every one of those. Yeah. Which I have every thirteen. Uh, every one, every thirteen, every thirty one, and every six six six. Okay. I, there might have been a couple years where I I actually let go of uh, a couple of those numbers here and there, but uh, I try to keep them. Mm-hmm. And remind us, what's the 31? Thank you. Just 31 for Halloween. Oh, oh. right on. We're right smart. On. We are smart. Uh, and the, the Monster Mash. I can tell. Is, yes. <laughs> We're on Jeopardy. So uh, let's let's talk about the Monster Mash box, too, which is, uh, I mean, it's 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 not, you know, definitely not the first rodeo when it comes to this this type of presentation from, from you because... You know, we had the you had the little monsters, and then the pudgies, and then the the uh, the skinny monsters. Although the skinnies never really came in this kind of. Uh, no, yeah, the, the skinnies the skinnies came in in uh, a standard you know slide top cab style box or whatever. Yeah, but uh, very standard looking. The pudgies and the littles were actually pretty normal looking, even though they had colors to them. Um. You know the the uh, the whole coffin shape is is something that I registered as a trademark in this industry. Oh, is it really? Yeah. So I have to make sure I keep on using it to protect it. Um, it's something I I protect a lot. 
I've actually called a few companies and said, Hey, please stop. So I don't have to call, <laughs> uh, uh, the, the really expensive lawyers to get involved. So yeah, it, it's, it was just one of those things where, you know, no one had ever done it, you know, in that shape. And, uh, you know, we, we call, you know, when we look at single cigars in coffins, we, we call them coffins, but no one ever really did a, a cigar in or cigars in a coffin shaped box. Yeah. So early on when I was dealing with a lot of uh, trademark shit, my lawyers were like, that's your thing. You need to protect it. And I'm like, okay. So I, I police it a lot. I police them. I police the trademark monster the trademark Halloween and the coffin shape a lot because yeah. it ends up being it's, it's become a core line product for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to, I want to make sure it's protected. And, and real quick, how fun was that project? You know, speaking of uh, the box factory um, at the Garcia, um, how fun was that project putting some of these boxes together? I know that you're an artist. I know that you're heavily involved with some of that kind of take yeah. us through that process. I mean, it was, I'll be honest. It was really fairly simple. They kind of know what, what's coming uh, when it comes to uh, the <laughs> annual release. Um, I think really I was sitting in Jaime's office in Nicaragua with uh, my wife, my sister-in-law, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and then, the one guy that manages a lot of the orders that come through that come through the factory. And I said, every box has to be in this shape and it has to be sideways, like leaning on its side. And then I told them a number and they all kind of looked up like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like it's a, it's a big year. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so I it have was, to... it was a big production, but it was actually a smaller production compared to, it's a smaller production compared to the Pudgy Monsters, which was a huge production. Yeah. We did 20,000 boxes of Pudgy Monsters. Yeah, there's still quite a few of those out. You know, We did uh, 13,000 of these. 13, okay. Yeah. So I have to ask about this, because I'm sure you've discussed it before. I just haven't heard you know, the, the discussion. But so the, the face, mm -hmm. the original you know, had that, you know, where the band was basically, you know, a different, different, uh, tobacco. Yeah. So was this essentially for, for ease of, ease of packaging and ease of production? Well, ease of packaging, ease of production. I, I didn't want to make the cigars all uniform looking in oh, the, in the yeah. banding style. Yeah. I, I suppose. And I thought about this and I actually talked about this last night on a, on a private zoom her, the, the, I could have easily added the extra piece of uh, Connecticut wrapper to make that that messed up band, but I think with the production levels, it just would have just would have not gone over well, especially this year, which has just been nuts. Uh, I mean, again, I don't know where all the cigars are going, but but uh, people are buying a lot of cigars right now. Yeah, they are. Yeah, so we're trying we're playing catch up constantly. Um and kind of continuing on to you know the stuff that that you guys because you guys really have had an incredibly busy 
year um, yeah. as a brand. And so there's also uh, Kohonu 2021, which yeah. shipped, uh, what shipped about six weeks ago, I want to say, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, what's today? The, the 19th, 19th today? So maybe three, uh, four weeks ago? Yeah, it shipped about uh, four four weeks ago yeah yeah um and it's i i know a number of uh you know friends who have already um who've already picked some up uh it's it's really a and i haven't smoked it yet but from what i'm hearing from guys that i know they um you know they they smoke a lot of your product that it's from from what they're telling me it is it is really a a very bold iteration of 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 the Kahonu line. Yeah, I mean it's it's take a cross between the Kohonu 2003 and the Grand Kohonu. Okay. And that's really what it is. Um the Bellicosa Fino head on the cigar makes it a little bit more comfortable to to smoke. So it doesn't feel as big as it really is. It's 7 by 58. It's a big cigar. Yeah, but it it's got a lot of body. It's got a lot of flavor. We've been really happy. I mean, obviously, the response we're happy with it when it goes in production. the The anticipation of waiting for that response is really the uh, the nerve factor, right? And we've been really happy to see the response from people on that. So yeah. Um, and also, uh, and we talked a little bit about the advent calendar too, but the kind of the push that's happening, you know, really since COVID and, you know, changes with different, different things kind of in the cigar world in general. And re- I mean the whole world, obviously, but um, one of the things we've talked to a number of people about recently in the last couple of months is the fact that obviously there's a lot more cigars being sold. So people who are already premium cigar smokers are definitely smoking more cigars. But Mm -hmm. one of the things we've heard that maybe concerns some retailers, some manufacturers is wondering about going beyond that and, and getting new people into the cigar community who were not previously premium cigar smokers. So where do you see that in the world that we're in today as far as, you know, because you've got people who are already premium cigar consumers like us and like our viewers, you got people who are cigar manufacturers or brand ambassadors. You've got, um, you've got factory owners, you've got um, media even and, and retailers and within all those parts of the cigar community, where do you, how do you see everybody kind of sharing that sort of responsibility of trying to bring new people into the fold and, and cultivate good new people? Well, I, I think, I think in general, more people are starting to accept it. If you look at the, uh, just the celebrity side of the industry, and I'm not talking about, guys like Carlito or, or, you know, Pepin or stuff like that. I'm talking about the consumer celebrities. They're, they're more, I think they're more out 
of, for lack of better words, out of the closet about smoking cigars than they were even during the boom. Like they're more showing off that they actually enjoy cigars. But now the difference is they're not the fly by night people. They're like true, like consumers, true, like in, they enjoy the products. They enjoy yeah. the relaxation time. They enjoy what cigars are about, how they're handcrafted, how it's all 100% natural leaf. You know, they, they appreciate that and they turn it into the same product that they do when they drink their tequilas that are, you know, small batch crafted or their whiskeys that are small batch crafted. They've taken it to a different level. So that acceptance um, has kind of like opened up a lot of eyes. And now you're seeing a lot of younger smokers, you know, in that mid twenties age going, that seems like an awesome thing to do. Uh, our job as consumers and cigar smokers already, and this goes to, for everybody, our job is to welcome anybody who wants to be part of our group. That's it. Because if we don't welcome them and we make them feel like an idiot and we laugh at their questions, they're just going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And this is a, the cigar industry is full of a, a bunch of great people. And I think we need to show the world that anybody can be part of our group, mm-hmm. no matter who you are, where you come from, all that stuff. Just welcome in, enjoy, yeah. and let's shoot the shit over a cigar. That's yeah. it. No, that's, that's really well put. And it's, it's like you said a little bit ago about, you know, the questions you see in Facebook groups about, you know, why did I find this in my cigar or, you know, why, why does my cigar do this? Why does it look like this? And, and, you know, you, you find yourself answering the same question over and over again. And, um, I remember back many, many years ago, there was at the time my mom was in college studying for a marketing degree and, going through watching some, you know, videos of people talking about customer engagement and things like that. And one of the, one of the, I don't, don't even remember who it was speaking, but they said, you're going to get asked the same question, you know, sometimes a hundred times in a day, you'll, you'll get the same question, but every time it's a different person asking that question. So you either, you either can answer it, uh, nicely and if you can't choose to answer it nicely then then opt out of the situation and let somebody else answer it nicely um because i agree there's so much facebook and instagram are are they're great but they can be um (laughs) you know that you know how it is they can it can just get sometimes it can just become where somebody wants to be instead of somebody wanting to be welcoming their, uh, their, their dark side can come out and they just want to be right. I'm so, yeah. Right now. <laughs> so it's, it's better just to, you know, if, if you don't have something to contribute to the conversation other than, you know, snarky remarks or God, what an idiot or something like Who that, are then just, you then, right now? then just choose to opt out of the conversation. Let somebody else, let somebody else chime in. Chad said it perfectly. They can turn quickly. Yeah. Like you said, though, every 
every person that's asking the same question is a different person. So you actually have to approach them differently. Uh, it's really about education. If, uh, if you take the time to educate people, you hope, you hope that they'll actually like take your word as real. Yeah. There's a lot of times, you know, like, Oh, who, who the hell are you? Why do you, who are you, who are you to tell me that this is what it is? Because I've been smoking cigars for five days and I think I know more than the guy that's been manufacturing cigars for 32 years. You know, one, yeah. how many times, you know, there are, uh, I talked about it on the show a couple months ago when I was at a doctor's appointment and the nurse was talking about her paper is on tobacco. And, you know, I asked how much of that information you're getting has anything about cigars in it. And she said, well, nothing. And, and I said, well, just so you know, cigars is a very different product from not only the, the you know, creation of it and, and the culture, but there's just so much more to cigars than any other tobacco product. And I, you know, encourage her to go look up, you know, some of the studies that, that were done. And, but there are times where I just want to shake people and say, <laughs> there is a beautiful culture within cigars that that is 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 just it's not shown and yeah. i don't e- i don't even think it's understood and that's why you know love the movie hand rolled and some Thank of you. the other things that you know and pete obviously you were a big part of that and that fucking fantastic absolutely love it um i think more people should should see that and it's projects like that that continue to tell the story and show that this amazing product is far more than just tobacco in in how we see tobacco. I'll, I'll just kind of be honest for a second. Like politicians to me, those are the guys I want to shake because there's a thing called common sense that I believe in. Yeah. And they just don't have common sense sometimes when it comes to cigar, you know, premium cigars, they want to lump us in, to a category that includes vape and cigarettes and they want to, they want to put in these secret bills that are coming up. They want to put tax based on weight. That means it's so intrusive to our industry. Like how, how, like it's done in in a few parts of the world already, but how do you base the difference of why a cigar is more, harmful to someone than another by weight right i mean this is this goes back to bloomberg's bullshit with the coca-cola size like come on oh absolutely yes absolutely so right now that's what we're battling but uh there are a few politicians that are understanding it and getting it and they're and i think we're we're going to be able to kind of like write out some premium cigar definition in that bill that they're looking to to raise taxes on imports um but you're talking huge money like a, a grand coho new oh, yeah. you know big 60 ring gauge is going to go up uh by two three four dollars in tax when you have a petite corona that's only going to go up by you know 50 cents in tax so yep. it doesn't make sense so we're that's where the common sense thing is for me. And that's where I want to shake people also. So I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exemption is the key. We, we just keep fighting for exemption. 
and we'll keep saying it, you know, join, join CRA, you know, get involved with uh, CRA, get involved with, uh, 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 you know, cigar rights, uh, uh, get involved with uh, PCA has a, has an arm of that now cigaraction.org. you know, just get involved. Um, all of us have to get involved uh, because if we keep pushing for exemption, then I think, I think we'll get there. Uh, we just have to, we have to keep yeah. fighting. I think uh, exemption is kind of a a fairy tale, but if we can get, I don't mind giving them information about things. I don't mind right giving them our ingredients listings. I don't mind giving them, you know, registering every product that we have out on the market. It's it's when they get super intrusive and they tell us that we need to uh, prove that a cigar I made today is substantially equivalent to a cigar that I made before a certain date and a certain month and a certain year. Like, come on, seriously, we're not doing anything different. It is substantially equivalent because they're basing it all on cigarettes, which are always the same bullshit, which is, yeah. Oh, we put formaldehyde paper, you know, all this other shit. And that's our ingredients listing. And they literally have like this blanket list of ingredients that every cigarette manufacturer that makes, you know, you know, cigarettes that that are have full of chemicals. Yeah. And they're all the same and they're like, "Oh yeah, there's only, you know, three types of cigarettes." Right. Well, there's there's thousands of different cigars. <laughs> but here's the difference. They're all made with natural tobacco. Yeah. Yeah, T- tobacco, water and goma. That's that's it. That's the three ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> Bermacol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of taking this into the imports thing, I, I read the most recent article uh, or the most recent issue of Cigar Aficionado uh, this week. And one of the features they had in there was about um, uh, sales and import numbers. And Nicaragua has been killing it for a very long time uh, in the cigar industry as a whole worldwide. Yeah. Uh, and it's only been growing and growing, um, and, and it's, it's fantastic. And as somebody who's, you know, been honored to go to Nicaragua a couple times and see so many different factories, it's to, to me and to other people, you know, in, in the cigar world and people who are kind of nerdy like me and like us about cigars is we really see, and we understand why, uh, and it's not to say that there are not great cigar factories and tobacco farms in other countries, but Nicaragua has really been absolutely killing it for the last, honestly, I'd say 15 years. It's been on an upswing. Yeah. And, and now the numbers are, I, I think it was just shy of 52%, which is outrageous. I mean, those numbers are fantastic for, for Nicaragua. So in your experience, why has Nicaragua why? been so <laughs> successful? And what can other countries maybe learn well, from Let's see, when, when you know, the, the cigar boom originally in the early 90s happened, Nicaragua was n- not there. I mean, it was just coming back. So you started seeing Nicaraguan cigars really coming back into the fold in 93 and 94. And then, then all of a sudden you see this brand called Padron that had been made uh, for a long time, but really was kind of local to Miami, just kind of blow up. And that was kind of one of those catalysts for Nicaragua. 
would say Drew Estates was probably one of those catalysts for Nicaragua. Um, and I'm a proud son-in-law. I believe that a guy by the name of Pepin Garcia was a big catalyst for Nicaragua. And that's really where, uh, where a lot of more, a lot more people started paying attention to, to the country. Uh, a lot of, a lot of great companies in Nicaragua. And, and think about it. A lot of big companies that we know from the Dominican Republic moved to Nicaragua or moving to Nicaragua or opening up factories in Nicaragua or, you know, growing tobacco in Nicaragua. So, it, it's kind of an industry-wide thing. It's not just uh, a few people. It's a lot of big names pushing that Nicaraguan vibe, for sure. And there are a lot of new... There are a lot of new brands. I mean, the <laughs> Thanks, fact AJ. is we, we do see... <laughs> oh, because of the Garcia. <laughs> there you go. So we, we do see over the years, and honestly, this goes back uh, since you know, since I started smoking cigars in the mid nineties uh, and I'm sure it goes back well before that, where you see, you see small brands uh, and sometimes they come and go and sometimes they, they stay, but there are, there are a lot of new brands that have, that have come out in the last, let's say 10 years that have, you know, they, they started their business at, in in Nicaragua sometimes with having their production at one factory and and then maybe they'll move their production to a different factory in Nicaragua or they'll they'll choose to start up their own factory in Nicaragua but in so many of these cases they stay in Nicaragua regardless um and not that there haven't been some smaller brands that have gotten their starts in Dominican Republic or Honduras, but it has been far more common. Um, and one of the things I heard from somebody was that there's, there's fortunately over the years, there's built up a great labor force that are experienced at making cigars. Uh, and maybe, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll find a new home at a different factory and things like that. Um, is, is that something that the Garcia family sees a lot of is competition with factories, trying to hire people away to say, Hey, come work at my factory and I'll pay you X amount more, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean that, that happened a lot during the cigar boom. Um, Fuente, Fuente, I remember lost, you know, hundreds of rollers in like one week uh, down the Dominican Republic because people were hiring uh, rollers away. I, I think there's, there's a labor force in Nicaragua that I, I don't think they're really moving from factory to factory. Okay. I, I, I really, I really believe that a lot of them are sticking with, you know, what they know and what they enjoy. And, you know, I know that the family has a rule that if it comes, if the person comes from another factory, uh, they, they usually uh, do not hire them because they, they don't want to, uh, they don't want to upset the other factory, but also they don't want to, uh, they don't want to have to retrain a roller that might have been trained a different way. Mm-hmm. So they they, tru- they choose to uh, find people that are willing to start from scratch and 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 train them uh, to be you know rollers the way they roll cigars. So, uh, piggybacking on that, would uh, two part question: Would you agree that we're in a second cigar boom? And two the parallels between the 90s and today 
who are the companies that that make it and not specifically but um if we look back and and we look at how history will probably repeat itself some of these brands that matt talked about these last 10 years especially five years all these you know small boutique brands that are popping up all over the place where who has the special sauce what what does that look like <laughs> i you know what um i i hate the fact that uh we call this a new cigar boom because i think i think we were smoking more cigars than the cigar boom anyways yeah um it's just truer now it's just it's real it's more real now i think people are are really enjoying the product and here's the difference there's actually really good product out there yeah during the 90s they were rolling banana leaves into shit man like they were they were making some crappy ass cigars it was easy Um, to find shitty cigars back in the 90s and now it's like you know yeah maybe there's a couple shitty cigars out there but it's really your your own palate what you choose to smoke uh but i think there's more great cigars than there ever has been and um I, I don't if I, I believe that if if a, a manufacturer or a brand owner or whatever they consider themselves, if they're having quality product produced for themselves or uh, they're you know they're making it for themselves, um, I don't think they're going anywhere because they're yeah. making quality product. If they're if they're coming into this industry to just make a quick buck. Um, have fun yeah have fun have fun with that because it's yeah you'll it's it's the get rich quick you know scheme like you know like that's how it was during the original the first boom was like everybody's like i'm just gonna go and make you know x amount of cigars and people are buying whatever the fuck they can you know pick (laughs) up right now yeah no that's not the case anymore yeah The, the people the retailers and the consumers, they want what they want because they know what quality is. Plain the bar and is much higher. The bar is way higher. That's a great yeah, point. You, you can't fool anybody now. And I think back in during the original, you know, in the mid-90s, there was a lot of people that just got into it because they saw Demi Moore on the cover of Cigar Aficionado <laughs> or they saw, you know, Denzel on the cover of Cigar Aficionado or they go, I want to be like them. Yeah. And they tasted their first cigar and they're like, wow, this is horrible. Now it's different. They're like, oh wow, this is this is good. This is relaxing. Yeah. I can get into this. And they go from like, you know, buying two cigars into a box, and then next thing you know, they have three hundred boxes in a cabinet, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So our our friend, actually a local friend of ours, Richard Fox, has a kind of a cool question. He says, What country do you think? will be the next big one for tobacco besides the four main ones. And then, and I like that because there we do. And we talked about this mm-hmm. in our last show that, that a lot of times, you know, there are the big countries for, you know, there's yeah. Nicaragua, Dominican, Costa Rica, Honduras, but there, there are also tobaccos being grown. There are good tobaccos being grown in, in some other places. Um, have you heard any rumblings or do you see any, development business development in some of those countries or do you think they'll mainly stay tobacco producing countries and not so much cigar factories mongolia 
Mongolia. Yeah, I I think they'll probably re- remain tobacco growing. I mean, yeah, you see a little bit of action going on in Costa Rica over the last several years. Um, Costa Rica is tough. You can't even smoke in Costa Rica. <laughs> like, like you have to. That. Yeah. I mean, you can smoke, but you, you have to be in private property. Um, yeah, I I don't think there's going to be a lot of action. I don't see. I don't see like the south of France near the Spanish border being like the next big thing, even though there is a cigar factory there. I don't see them being, oh, my God, let's let's all move into uh, the south of France, which would be kind of nice, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, I just don't see it happening. Like like the Marifels who, you know, take and uh, and bring tobacco to a, a country that has never had tobacco before or, you know, you're not seeing any anybody really investing i know mexico is really upping their game in tobacco that well maybe- yeah yeah mexico mexico there's a lot of producers down in mexico too now i mean obviously uh, the san andreas valley in mexico has been a huge uh tobacco um country or you know area mm-hmm. for years region you gotta remember that that teamo which is the Taran family that was like one of the biggest cigar brands in, in the East coast. Yeah. During, you know, a long time ago, if you brought that cigar to California, which we had them in California, people didn't want them because they were made in Mexico. Uh, I don't understand that one because they're actually, they grow good tobacco. I, I don't see, I don't know. I don't see this, this big wave of like, Oh shit! We need to open up a cigar factory in, in Mexico. I think yeah. that's been, I think that's all been done. Like I think where the cigar industry is now, as far as the countries that are most famous, I think that's all been done. I think if anything, you might see another boom in Honduras. Okay. That's all I got for you. <laughs> no, that's that's. that's I mean, but but Honduras is part of the big four, so. Yeah, of, it's a moot point, right? And do you so obviously you've been you know working with the Garcia family for a very long time, and we hear all the time about you know blends come out with you know there's a tobacco from Peru and there's a tobacco from Colombia and there's a tobacco from this country or that country, and sometimes even tobaccos from some some odd well a yeah. place that we consider odd from the united states have you what what kind of experience do you have trying to blend with those tobaccos have you so there's the me2 you're smoking yeah right someone now. yeah someone posted that so i figured i'd oh nice so so what have you found in in some of those tobaccos from the the countries that maybe aren't part of the so-called big 4 and 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 have you have you found any tobaccos that that when you sample them you say to yourself I have to use this tobacco in a blend, or are they just part of the big sort of tobacco palette that you have to work from? Yeah, I you know we stick to to the simple stuff with with Cuban seed uh, Nicaraguan tobacco. Obviously, we have wrappers from Mexico, wrappers from the USA, wrappers from Ecuador, but. Um, yeah, Costa Rican tobacco, I think, is overly salted. Like, I don't know, something about it I can't stand. Um, 
Panama tobacco, I think, smells horrible in a blend. I mean, it's just me personally. It's just like some things that bug me about certain tobaccos from certain countries that I just choose not to uh, to uh, work with. Um, you know, Brazilian tobacco is good, but uh, at the same time, I know I can mimic a better flavor out of what I have to work with already. So, and we're that I have the luxury of working with a family that's growing, you know, I don't know, 1400 acres of tobacco now. And, uh, they're constantly growing new things. And, you know, now that, now that we have Corojo shade grown and Criollo, you know, all these, all these wrapper leaves that, that Jaime's growing down in Nicaragua, uh, in the shade grown, that's like a new, a new palette, a new spice that I get to work with. So Corojo, Corojo shade grown, you know, in the years, the old years, we were buying it. And then we ended up switching to Habano because we found that the, the Habano was, was a better burn. Yeah. And it had a better flavor for us at the time. But now that Jaime has been growing, you know, this, uh, the shade grown stuff, like I fell in love with the Corojo shade grown that he's doing. And that's like, that's a new thing for me again. So now I get to play with new, new spices. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to go to Brazil and get Arapiaca or anything like that. I, I just, it's unnecessary for me because that style of leaf, I think I'm getting that out of San Andreas or even, even broadly from the USA. Like I don't go to Pennsylvania and go get me some Pennsylvania broadleaf. I want Connecticut broadleaf. Yeah. So I, maybe Cameroon, but you know, the, I'll let the people that do Cameroon well, uh, use it. Like I, I find it to be very fragile and I love the flavor. Uh, I love the aroma off of it. I just fear, uh, I have a fear of God of it because it, it's very, <laughs> it's very, uh, brittle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I have to go back to this comment from Chad Benedict. Oh my! Gosh. What would you call a cigar from Mongolia? A Genghis, a Genghis Candela, or a Genghis Candela? <laughs> but um, wow, that's a dad joke. That was that, that was that's that's like solid dad joke all the way. That's good. Love it. Uh, so is it? Oh, is it? I think so. Is it time? Yeah. All right. It is now time for this week's. Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. Numero de los Muertos, episode 131. Garrett, what do you have for us this week? Well, it's out of the box because <laughs> Pete's out of the box. <laughs> so we've got... I'm a little out of the box too now. It's my second pour. So In 1968, 17 people died in this. In this. 
1968, mm-hmm. 17 people died in this. Yep. See, you're a throwing bus? a curveball. <laughs> Not a bus. That's a good guess, though, for 68. A tsunami? Mm-mm. Earthquake? No, sir. Damn. Hurricane. It's not vehicles. It's not a hurricane. It's not Ferris wheels. A submarine. Not submarine. Well, I, w- I, I thought that was a great guess. <laughs> that is a great guess. Yellow submarine. Come on. Uh, killed by their own monster. A T1 horse. <laughs> That's so no, Kevin. Good. That's not. That's well. That it's possible that I'm going to say a Rick House, a Rick House, a Rick House for six hundred dollars. Cement mixer. I love it. That's a good guess. It is. It's not it. No, I thought uh, that was the answer. I was like, what? <laughs> it is not the flu. Uh, it is not nature based. Ooh. Texas Tech Massacre. Was that 68? I don't know. That's not the answer. For some reason, I thought that was early a 70s. A brothel. Ooh, a brothel. No. Damn. Or was it a haunted house? That. <laughs> that, see, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, not not really sad, but... You yeah, know, sad. Cool. Cool that uh, um, you tied in the monster thing. So this was a... A movie set. Ooh. Mm, you're getting really close, Pete. Really? Mm. But I think you're talking... A in- scene from Apocalypse Now? What? No, 68, that was too early. You Wait, when are, was Apocalypse Now? You're getting really close. <laughs> and and it's... But I think you're talking in terms of reality. Oh. <sighs> Um, a soundstage? Mm-mm. It's not sport related. A it's roller coaster. So, my guy Lawrence is very close. A horror movie. 68. What was shot in 68? In Halloween, the movie. Mm, that was that was seventy. Halloween yeah, was, was seventy seven. Yeah, see, even even like Friday thirteenth, sixty eight. That's way too early. Also, uh, the birds. Oh, mm. well, the birds was fifties. Yeah, was 60s, it? Yeah, see, sixties. I, I love that movie. It scared Fox. the hell out of me. Is that it? Richard Fox for the win. Oh, yep. Uh, was, Night of the Loving Dead. No, it, I don't think it was Night of Loving. <laughs> not not yeah. the loving dead. That's yeah. a different movie. Yeah, that's you can you can find that online. I think <laughs> <laughs> Pornhub. <laughs> Instead of Night of the Living Dead, it's Night of Loving the Dead. That's a different movie altogether. So I was looking up, um, you know, different horror movies and 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 the body counts, and Night of the Living Dead really surprised me. Only 17 people died in the film. That's that's actually surprising. It should be more. Isn't it? So wait, you're yeah. saying that you're saying that so these are fictional deaths. Correct. 
Yeah. And so, so in so characters, we don't only... have to feel bad about it. Oh, yeah, there, right, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so only 17 characters died in that movie. Correct. Wow, that's that's tame by today's horror movie standards. I what mean, a... there's 17 people who die in the opening credits of some horror movies today. Hundred <laughs> percent. <100%. laughs> well, see, 68 is going to throw me off, anyways, because I was born in 70, so I wouldn't know what it was. And I, yeah. I, I'll be honest, I don't think. I don't remember the last time that I've actually watched Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, I watched it in high school, and I don't know if I've seen it since. And I'm not going to talk about how long ago high school was. It was a long time. but Eisenhower administration. <laughs> not not quite that long, but a long time. Um, yeah, so only 17. Wow. Night of the Living Dead, 17 characters died. Yeah. Great tie-in. Great tie-in. That was very good. Very solid. Thank you. So that was this week's Numero de los Muertos. All right. So we have some fresh lightning round questions for you, Pete. You were on last time. You got some of the early lightning round questions. We have some new ones. Okay. So um, if you could bring back any fashion trend from the past, what would it be? <laughs> No, I'm not even going to answer that. <laughs> um, no, no, it will get me into trouble. Okay. All right. Um, fashion trend from the past. No. Uh, yeah. The, no. Thing that comes, the first thing that comes to my mind is something from Baywatch, and I'm not going to say it. So <laughs> That's enough said. Yeah, I think I think we can all read into that. Leather pants? No. No, I'm not gonna go with leather pants. The stash, no. Assless AJ, chaps. it's assless chaps, not asses chaps. <laughs> asses chaps. And and here's the thing. This is one of the things. And and not that this should bother me, but it does bother me. All chaps are, are assless, assless chaps. Assless chaps. <laughs> By their nature, they are not pants. They're chaps. Therefore, they are assless. So, I think I mean, he's referring to a story that I told him about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why he's got the two laughing symbols next to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, Pete, who was your big um, celebrity crush when you were a kid or a teenager? I loved, and I still watch this movie, and I still love with her, uh, Stephanie Seymour. Oh, Yes. Not mad at that at all. Yes. Uh, what was the, now I'm blanking on the, the name of the movie, but it was with uh, Christopher Reeve and Stephanie Seymour. Uh, oh, Somewhere in Time. Somewhere in Time. Love yeah. that movie. Love that yeah. movie. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, a classic, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's actually a fantastic yeah. movie with a great soundtrack. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Shot up on... Uh, uh, Mackinac Island up just it is, yeah. yeah. Early eighties, late early eighties, yeah. Okay. Right right after he made Superman. Okay. I, so I Stephanie actually... Seymour, so fast forward to Stephanie Seymour in Wedding Crashers, and that I'm like, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I I love that movie more than I should. Luciano says I agree. <laughs> like it. Yeah. No, it's so, I'm Seymour. sorry. So I it's Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Jane Seymour. Jane, Sorry, Jane my Seymour. bad. Jane Seymour. 
Yeah, because Stephanie Seymour, what? I think, was the Victoria's Secret model. It's, uh, yeah, sorry. Stephanie Seymour was no. a, another one, yeah. You're totally Jane. Stephanie Jane Seymour. Seymour. Stephanie Seymour was the one that dated Axel Rose, right? Yeah, she was in the videos with Axel. Yeah, Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour. Yeah, sorry. November My bad. Video. Jane Seymour. Yeah. Jane Seymour. Yeah, she was absolutely stunning. And that that perfect posh British British accent of hers only added to the allure. Yeah, yeah oh, and then uh, then of course you go to the Wedding Crashers movie. Oh. <laughs> yeah, where she well, I'm kitty, not gonna get kitty, into it. Kitty cat. <laughs> Call me kitty cat. <laughs> I actually Pete, this is so funny. I have a I have a buddy of mine who we don't see each other very often. But in between times, we, we usually get together and, and go fishing. But in between times that we get together and actually see each other, he and I text each other on a weekly basis. But the only thing we text each other is quotes from Wedding Crashers. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a sickness. But, yeah, it's so, yeah, if, if you were in love with uh, Jane Seymour back in the Jane 80s, Seymour. Then you love her in Wedding Crashers. And yes, Absolutely. Dr. Quinn. Medicine. Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, which I never saw that show. I didn't either. I never watched I it. Didn't, I, I didn't either. Didn't watch it. It's a boring side of her. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure yeah, she Jane Seymour. My apologies to, to Stephanie Seymour, who was also very beautiful. Also but, uh, very beautiful. All Jane right. So, so, Pete, if you could add any person's face to Mount Rushmore. Who, and it doesn't have to be a dignitary or a president, anybody in history. You could add their face to Mount Rushmore. Uh, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> Pass. Pass. <laughs> um, no, I'll, I'll leave it the way it is. I yeah. I, I, I like that. Yep. I like that. That's, um, that, that's like the most fucked up question ever like <laughs> add you don't have to take one down you just have to add someone just gotta add somebody yeah no yeah i'll just yeah pass. yeah that's there's nothing wrong with leaving <laughs> no, it as is absolutely i have no problem with that so let's move into this week's notable smokable and notable smokables as always is brought to us by our friends at ace prime notable cigars notable oh, that guy Notable purpose. Yeah, that, that guy. That guy. That guy. So that guy. Pete, you've you've been on before. <laughs> We've done notable smokables before. We talk about a cigar that was interesting to us, could be on the market for many years, could be brand new, something we just tried for the first time in a while. Um, so Pete, did you have a notable cigar recently? Uh it could be in your own portfolio, could be outside, you know, another brand that you smoked recently that kind of caught your interest. I'll be honest, I haven't smoked much outside the portfolio because I've been working on a lot of new stuff. Yeah. So um, I would lean towards something I'm making in Miami right now, but uh, I feel like I need to give you something better than that. I smoked... No, yeah. <laughs> I'm not... A... I was going to say I smoked a Cuban with a buddy of mine in Los Angeles recently that was really good but i i realized i don't want to promote cuban cigars because uh i hate the fact that they're under you know a severe dictatorship still and they'll yeah if something doesn't change sooner than later um yeah i i, I just don't like the fact that the 
places like people like Cigar Aficionado are ignoring. They like to promote that they're coming out with a new festival or they have a fancy box factory in Cuba, but they, they keep on ignoring the fact that people are dying in Cuba. And that's right. So I choose, I choose not to promote Cuban cigars unless it was made by a roller, a custom roller down in Cuba that I know that I, that I know got all the money for that cigar. So if you go to Cuba, this is my word of advice to anybody. If you're able to go to Cuba and visit the country, visit the people, buy cigars from the people. Don't go to the store and buy cigars. Don't support a communist regime. Um, Take care of the people first. Amen. Yeah, I like that. Um, Garrett, what was your notable this week? I woke up with a coffee and a Sin Compromiso. Wow, you woke up and they were just right they there? They were right there. That's amazing. It was incredible. Gosh. I know. It was... Sin Compromiso. Yeah. Yeah. John Barton. I don't know if you know. I Yeah, I've heard of him. Have you? Yeah. yeah. Legit. Barton. Uh, so my notable this week was actually gifted to me when we were uh, in Indiana uh, with... Uh, um, for Tim's uh, memorial service, mm-hmm. and our, our good friend, we call him oh, Clop. Yeah, Tim, yeah, we we call him Clop, and uh, Steve Stephen Klopfenstein, uh, we call him Clop. He gifted me a Mother Church, which is uh, made by Crown Heads for the JR Cigars 50th anniversary. Beautiful cigar, my yeah. goodness! I was yeah, and Garrett, I was smoking it with you, I think. Oh, is that when I was... Uh... Yeah, and I just kept... It was, you know, sometimes when you just keep taking puffs off a cigar and you stare at it, like, yes. how can this be... Yeah, it was. it's it's a beautiful cigar. So, very, very good job by uh, the team at Crown Heads on that. So, that was this week's Notable Smokables. As always, brought to you by Ace Prime. Improving lives through fine cigars. Visit aceprime.com to learn more. So... To give our fantastic viewers and listeners a quick idea of some stuff we have coming up in the near future. Next Monday night on the 25th, we have Steve Saka from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. And then coming up right after that on the 1st of November, Mm. uh, we have a special episode that I'm going to let Garrett tell us all about. Uh, Met this great young guy at work, Tyler St. Marie. He will be joining us. Uh, Tyler's 25. He has never had a premium cigar before in his life. And uh, we, were, we were talking about cigars and kind of what, you know, I do. And, and uh, I was like, you know, do you want to try a cigar? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Let's do a show, a total 101, starting from going into a humidor. What do you look for in a tobacconist? What do you, um, how do you start picking out cigars? And then we'll do a cut and a light and education and how do you, you know, just a, a total 101. Yeah. And uh, he's totally, he's, he's super excited about it. And uh, we couldn't be more excited to. Uh, to yeah. Do and it's cool because James, uh, who is uh, the owner and proprietor and the tobacconist at Burn Premium Cigar Specialists, uh, he's going to, we're going to do the show there from the shop. And James is going to take Tyler through the humidor and, just just as a new customer coming in saying, I've never tried a premium cigar, he's going to take him through the humidor, give him some suggestions, we'll help him pick out his first few cigars, teach how to cut, 
teach how to light and and hopefully turn it into a quarterly series where we check in with Tyler on his progression and his his sort of evolution as a new premium cigar smoker and kind of see where it leads. Yeah. So hopefully three months he'll be like, dude, that cigar was blueberry and absinthe. absinthe. And it was fantastic. <laughs> and I got I got notes of I, I got notes of uh alabaster mm. and yeah, it was it was just it was it was so lovely. And then and then we come back on episode two just three months later and he's got a five thousand count cabinet humidor <laughs> right. that's already filled. And we're like, dude, you're too baller for us. And get getting, out uh, getting phone calls from his fiance. <laughs> Make it stop. Make it stop, please. No more premium cigars. So that's going to be a kind of a fun new new series that we're going to try out soon. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, Pete, thank you again for uh, your, so, so it's funny. We talked about this recently. This is, although this is your third appearance as the main guest on how about that cigar live, it's actually your fourth time on the show because early on, when we first started doing this podcast, we had the guys from hand rolled on and you came on the show briefly, but then after the, after it was all over and the, and at the time we were using the Google uh, Live. Yeah. Some for some reason the audio from your signal never came through. So you're still on the podcast. We just can't hear a, a word you're saying. So technically, this is your fourth appearance on the show. No, well, fourth time's a charm. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There it is. <laughs> but thank you so much for being on. Um, ag- again, just give people uh, where's the best place best place for people to keep up with everything going on with. Uh, Tatuaje. Um, Instagram, Tatuaje Inc. Um, that's where I focus my attention to. So Tatuaje Inc. Uh, Facebook, uh, Pete Hassel Johnson Jr. Uh, that's someone I look at most of the time. I don't know if actually I have the junior on there, but you'll find me. There's a dog as my icon on that. Uh, and then, of course, TatuajeCigars.com. Uh, but most of it's uh, you'll find most of it on, on Instagram. So follow me on Instagram. That's where you'll find out most of the new releases. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you, Pete, for being on episode 131. We appreciate it. Loved it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to everybody that jumped on and including Luciano. Always good to see you, brother. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that guy. So, uh, after we, after we go off the air, Pete, hang out in the green room for two minutes, uh, after we're done. Uh, so for our viewers and listeners, guys, as always, we are so grateful to you guys for watching the show. For those of you listening on the audio podcast, thank you so much for making us part of your podcast rotation. If you guys have questions for Garrett or myself, email us on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com, and make sure to follow us on all social media at HBT Cigar. And of course, until we see you next time, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thanks. Thanks